Hey, welcome to the Best Small Business in the World podcast with uh, Matt Fitzsimmons, my partner over here, and Sturdy, I'm Sturdy McKee. And today we're going to talk about on the entrepreneur life and some of the stuff that pisses us off. We still have a bit of a rant <laughs> and see if people can relate because we think that we were talking before we recorded this this podcast and we think that there's a bunch of people who can resonate with what we say because we talk to entrepreneurs every day and all day and their frustrations we're quite sure are universal um as are our frustrations at times as entrepreneurs ourselves um so maybe that's a a good place to start is just the frustrations and um um yeah, it's, it's been interesting. Um, my biggest frustration over the last week has been um, I had COVID and that's really frustrating because I've got a mountain of work to do as I always do. And when you're out for a few days because of um, because of that, it's really frustrating that you can't do what you can do because you're out. And I, I actually realized I haven't had a sick day, a proper sick day um, in eight years because I... I'm, I'm, you know, I've got my own business. I don't have time for for sickness. That's, I'm sorry, but I was busy every time I got sick. So you just get on with it, you know. Um, and I think entrepreneurs can really relate to that because you know you own your own you you own your own business. Um, and if you're not feeling well, well, you still turn up. The wheels it's, keep moving. The wheels keep moving. You you know that steady as much as anybody. Uh, yeah, and we thought this might be good because when we were coming up with the, uh, the topic, Matt and I started ranting already, and it took on a little bit of a life of its own. So we're hoping uh, this will be useful for you guys. So what's the first one, Matt? The first thing that kind of really frustrates you and irritates you about the um, entrepreneur lifestyle? Probably the big thing for me, but and this, you know, a couple of weeks ago we spoke about uh, psychometric profiles. Well, this is a real reflection on my psychometric profile, and as it happens, yours as well. But um, the thing that fr frustrates me is that when you're trying things and doing things, and sometimes they fail, um, having to deal with failure is, is it's very difficult, but it's just really frustrating. It's like, damn, I thought I was on the right path. It wasn't quite right. So we go back, we modify it. I mean, this, this book here, The Best Small Business in the World, started off uh, in a completely different format. Um, and and now it's turned into turned into that, which is fabulous. It's it's wonderful. But um, the first one um, that I I sort of worked on didn't work. That's when I thought I need someone else to work with on this, and that's why Sturdy, you know, so we had that phone call um, because it, you know what I was doing wasn't working. It was it was failing in doing what it was doing, but I knew there was a heap of value in it. I just had to have Sturdy help me unlock it, which. Is, is cool, but the, certainly the failure that I felt by not changing the world with my one idea was 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 palpable. It was just, <laughs> well, that that's that's a great yeah. I, I can totally relate. I was struggling for a couple of years. I was trying to write the book, the manual for my kids, right? The thing I wanted to give to them, and it was it was like all the other books. I mean, when you start thinking about, well, what makes it different? The experiences, the whatever, um, it was the same format. I was being coached by somebody who's helped people do a bunch, bunch of different ones. And it was just taking on the same, it was another business book. And I was like, oh my God, if I'm boring myself, 
we got to move on. We've got to do something different. Um, so that's where the format and some of the breakthroughs come through. But, you know, I'm reminded when, you, when you're talking about this of somebody in a, it was a TV show, right? But the, the comment was, well, I'm, I'm right a lot. So they like, somebody said, you're right. And he's like, yeah, I'm right a lot. And when you think that maybe you're right a lot and you consistently aren't with the new project or the thing that you're doing, <laughs> so, you know, it can really drag you down. It would be a massive red flag, wouldn't it? It would be like, it would be a massive red flag if someone says, I'm right a lot. Um, well, yeah, I mean, going, hey, yeah, okay. but in, but see, this is the transition, right? In school, we're trained to be right a lot. Right. If you're an A student, you're right over 90 yeah. percent of the time and you're conditioned that that's part of your value and your worth and your identity and all the rest of it. And then you go out into the real world and, you know, nine out of 10 things fall apart and fail. You know, the trick is finding that 10th one or maybe the one in 100 that actually blows up and changes your life. So you've got to be willing to be wrong a lot. And really, it's a little bit more like baseball and batting than it is than it is school. Right. Because you go out there and you swing and if, if you're if you're hitting a 320 average you know less than one third of the time you're in the hall of fame and i, I like that analogy because you only have amazing to be right yeah well yeah but think about from an entrepreneurial standpoint you only have to be really right like every few times every 10 times maybe really right every hundred times and it can be life-changing it can change the world but um you just, yeah, you got to be willing to go through all those other ones, right? The, the whole seven up thing, fall down six times, get up the seventh. Absolutely. And you, the, the interesting thing about that is that I think as entrepreneurs, we are naturally curious. We try things. That's part of our DNA. It's what we do. It's why we do what we do. Um, but that also comes as a double-edged sword. And, and your analogy with the baseball is, is, is right. You're failing two-thirds of the time you're in the Hall of Fame. You fail two thirds of the time. It's an absurd. <coughs> excuse me, COVID. Um, you're, it's an absurd statistic, but it's absolutely right. Um, and you're right. When you go to school, you're taught not to fail, to do things correctly. You're not taught necessarily to think like an entrepreneur. You're not taught necessarily to to challenge the status quo, to go out on a limb and do something that's brand spanking you. You're taught to sort of kind of, kind of tow the company line, which is great sure. if you're an employer looking for someone who's, who's going to, you know, show up on Monday, do the same job every week and then, you know, do that. That's great. But as an entrepreneur, you have to get really comfortable with failure. And there's a ton of quotes about, you know, the more I fail, the more I succeed, all that style of quote. I, I There would mm -hmm. be actually dozens of quotes on failure. And they all have this massive element of truth when you're in the entrepreneurial sort of zone um, because a lot of the time what you do won't have a great deal of traction. I'll give you, I'll give you some examples. So um, I've written a, a bunch of stuff. Before I wrote, um, I started to work on the best small business in the world. I wrote a book um, called The Leadership Blueprint and I customized it for a bunch of people. We have a thing called the Winner's Playbook, which is a book which we're going to be re-releasing um, as a digital download um, in a couple of weeks. We have the big black book on leadership, a whole book on leadership. We have the Strategic Planning Playbook. Um, as you can tell, I 
made a lot of notes. Um, we, um, I wrote a book on psychometric profiling, which if you would like to uh, get a copy, just uh, flick us an email and we'll flick you one out. Um, we then updated the winner's playbook. <laughs> so all these things um, all have immense amount of value, but they weren't the thing. Um, and, and so you could look at that as failure. You could also look at that as part of, part of the entrepreneur's journey. And possibly the biggest frustration that I see and I feel is that um, people don't understand what, what I call the entrepreneur's journey, which is way different to the employee's journey. Um, I was having a conversation with a guy who's the head of a bank uh, yesterday. So a very, very big bank. It's an Australasian one. So it's uh, all the way through Australia and uh, New Zealand. Um, it's, it's, it's massive. It's about number three or number four. Um, as far as size goes. And you can tell this guy was an employee. He, oh, yeah. on his business card, he had MBA. So as if to say, <laughs> well, I have a right to be the CEO because of my MBA. And um, I'm sitting there going, I wonder what you'd be like in a small business, talking to a small business owner. And um, he wouldn't have the foggiest because he has people doing things for him all the time. And, and, the entrepreneurial journey is you do them yourself because you need to understand a lot, of, a lot of not everything. You shouldn't be doing everything yourself, but you you need to have an understanding about what's going on. And and he he was a corporate finance guy, you know. He yeah, that well, that brings us to the second kind of frustration of recognition, right? We've got these people with degrees and and titles and whatever, but a lot of that, I mean, they are employees. A lot of CEOs out there that are employees. They've been trained to be employees. What you're doing is really, really different. And I don't, I mean, Matt and I agree on this, that we don't feel that you're recognized for what it is you're doing, right? For the, but mm. the difficulty, the learning, that you don't get credit. You don't get enough credit for it. Mm. No, absolutely not. And the credit is, if you do get some, they'll sit there and go, um, wow, that's really cool. Uh, and they see the tip of the iceberg. But mm. as we know, what they what they don't see is, like, when was the last time you as a business owner um, switched off at on Friday afternoon at five o'clock? You know, <laughs> right, right. Didn't think about business all weekend. You, then you rocked up again on Monday and just said, oh, we'll get back into it. I tried to do some of that over the Thanksgiving weekend, right? But that kind of, <laughs> comes to the, the third one, and I think the second one stems from a lot of the third, is a lack of understanding. So, you know, I went through this, uh, it's why I joined EO long ago, um, about the same time Matt and I met, I think I'd been in EO just a little bit before that, um, but entrepreneurs organization, peer-to-peer -peer group, where you could share and talk to other people, because I got to a point where, you know, running, a million plus dollar business with you know 10 12 or whatever employees at that moment in time um my friends were employees you know my i i didn't have anybody who was in the same boat that i could relate to that could relate to me if i started talking over a beer about mm -hmm. an employee problem the friends almost inevitably like stuck up for the employee and i'm like 
you're not seeing the whole picture. That's the, it's the behaviors and the issue. It's like, how do we get them on board and aligned with the rest of the team and all that? And it, it was just a, a total disconnect. Yeah. So a lack of understanding is a, is a big, big deal. What do you run into, Matt? Um, there are so many different things on the entrepreneurial journey that people just don't understand. And, you know, the fact that you don't switch off at Friday is, is the tip of the iceberg in, in this scenario. I mean, I, I think what a lot of people who are employees don't understand is the concept of risk. Um, mm-hmm. For me, and this, this this flips a lot of it on the head for people who I talk to who want to go from being an employee to being a, a, an entrepreneur, is that they have to, that's the biggest shift is going from, I clock in, I clock out, I'm an employee, to I own a business 24-7, and I need to understand that it's 24-7, and <coughs> excuse me, if I don't get the risk part right, there will be no return, but if I do get that right, then I can get a return, but what is real risk, and this is what I ask a lot of employees, hmm. and this is what they don't understand about being an entrepreneur, if you lose, if the business goes under, as an employee, you're probably, certainly in this uh, environment, just go out and get another job. Um, if you're a good uh, team member, yeah. a good member of the team, you'll get a job probably that very day. Certainly um, in the countries that I'm talking to, you can get a job more or less same day or certainly same week um, doing what you're doing, if not with a pay rise. So for you, if the business goes under as an employee, you go and get another job. What about the risk if you own the business? Okay, now... I'm going to talk from a man's point of view, but it's equally valuable from a female's perspective, right? So, sorry. I'm I'm just thinking about um, somebody I know just lost their job, right? And is a senior manager and and has had a lot of success and all, but there was a merger and, you know, basically it's redundant. The purchasing company already had somebody in his position. So the other thing about losing the job is, you get a six-month severance package in that case, right? And I've got friends who've wow. been laid off before, right? And they get paid. So contrast that <laughs> of getting, you know, a six-month or three-month or 12-month or depending on how long you've been there or whatever and what the rules are where you are, runway to figure things out, even when you could go get another job or find another, maybe you find another in a month and you've got five more months of severance pay on top of your current new higher salary right hopefully Mm -hmm. but yeah contrast that with what matt's about to go through and i mean you know me i don't differentiate as much on the if you're the breadwinner you're the breadwinner yeah um well yeah i mean um i can only talk because i've I've seen a lot of this happen if you lose your business you'll lose your financial reputation if you lose your financial reputation you'll probably lose the family house right um um, if you lose the family house, you're probably going to lose your partner. Um, if you lose your partner, you'll probably lose your children. Um, and, and, and from a really practical perspective, you lose your business, you lose practically everything in your life. And, and that's what people don't understand and why I don't think employees understand the real risk of being an entrepreneur. Now, don't get me wrong. It doesn't happen often, which is great. Mm-hmm. But it does happen and it's very, very real. And it's something, you know, people wonder why, oh, why is he so driven? I'm I'm so driven because if I fail, sure, I can go and get another job, but I lose everything, you know? Um, I, I lose everything. So the people I deal with lose everything. 
you lose not just your income, but your partner, your family, your friends will probably alienate you. I mean, there's a lot of risk if you are an an, uh, an entrepreneur. And, and if you're an employee, then you'll be the victim and you'll be able to go out and get another job in no time at all and, and maybe with, a, with a, a fantastic severance pack, package. And I think understanding that is one of the great frustrations that um, I think entrepreneurs have is, is people don't get that. People don't get, you know, if, if it doesn't go well, no, I lose more than just a job. I don't just get to pack up the company, go out next week and go and get another job. That's it. It's all done. Um, right. and, and you might find yourself still on the hook for the remainder of the lease or the debt that your company's accrued or all kinds of things that, you know, the taxes, <laughs> even if it's the company, it goes back to you personally, if there's anything owed, yeah. all those other, it, it, there's a big snowball um, to this that, yeah, I think a lot of people don't get. I saw a video on TikTok where a guy, he was a bartender, um, sitting there preaching about how he should get paid more, how he does all the work, how he does everything in the business and all this. And I, you know, speaking of the disconnect, right, or the lack of understanding, I was sitting there, I was so tempted, by the way, I was so tempted to stitch with this guy and, you know, say something. I, I, I did not. I did not. I just talked to the, you know, I like talking to the TV, right? I talked to the phone, like, what the hell? You, the owner that he was, owner of the business who wasn't there, right? Who he was just slamming on and, and what have you. I, I'm sitting there going, the owner created the systems and the environment for you to do the things that you do. And yes, you're, you're, you play a role and you work in this organization and you, maybe you do the ordering, maybe you even do above and beyond what, you know, your job description is. But the owner's on the hook for the, I mean, you're not paying the lease and you're not paying the distributors and you're not you know, the systems and processes that look seamless, that all took work. That all took a lot of work on the front end, you know, and yeah. often it's happening. I'm, I'm working, I'm thinking of a client of mine right now, working really hard in the business while trying to carve out time to work on the business. Already made a lot of progress, but there's this constant tension between keeping everything afloat and creating the systems and processes and efficiencies and stuff that are going to turn into a sustainable business, which, you know, let's look a year or two, five years down the road, it's going to look seamless, it's going to look simple, it's going to look easy to anybody watching, because they didn't see any of the work that went in the front end, mm. you know, to build it all. Mm. You see that, Matt? Yeah. And you'll be saying, <laughs> excuse me, um, and the funny thing is, so 10 years down the line, when your business is a success, they'll sit there and go, oh, he just made a big overnight. He's an overnight sensation. 10 years of work and you're an overnight sensation. Um, oh. And, and you know, and, and, and they'll, look at, they'll look at your car and they'll sit there and go, oh, you drive a nice car or you live in a nice house. And I'll sit there and go, oh, yeah, he's just lucky. You're just lucky, right? How many times right. do we, they're just lucky. Well, in, in scaling up, right, Vern Harnish quotes Steve Jobs, and the thing he says, because we're talking about gazelles, right, and, and the thing that he uses the quote was, it's amazing how many overnight successes happen after 20 years. Yeah, yeah, it's so true, isn't it? Yeah, it's, yeah, that overnight success um, uh, quote, there's a whole bunch of quotes about overnight success, and it is never more true as being an entrepreneur. Um, and, and there's also... 
certainly where I live in, and, and in English and countries that were settled by the English, there's a tall poppy syndrome. And the tall poppy syndrome is people who do well, who um, drive a nice car and that sort of thing, are seen as being tall poppies. And we like to chop off tall poppies. And I think that really does miss the point. One thing I love about US culture is that you celebrate success. And if someone's uh, oh. being successful, <laughs> they can drive a nice car, then generally speaking, they will be celebrated for, for doing that type of thing, um, which is fabulous. That's how it should be. Well, maybe. That's kind of a view from the outside because we also revel in the downfalls. You know, when oh, sure. people, sure. you know, implode, there's nothing like pop culture and everybody to pile on and, you know, oh, I told you so, I knew it all along, and, you know, watch the demise, the fiery crash, right? So. Yeah. The, the I told you so's. Um, oh, yeah. Oh, I yeah. saw it all along. Anyway. I always knew they were going to fail. Yeah, so many times. Yeah, 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 exactly. And people seem to revel in it too. And I don't understand that because if if you've got if you've got people who um, are in your in your sort of your realm and in your world who are trying to do something different, I would have thought, and I don't always see this, I would have thought you would be encouraging towards them. You'd be sitting there going, Good luck, mate. I hope it goes well. Like not, you know, knock it out of the park and all that sort of stuff. But no, there's all these people who sit there and take great pleasure in watching the tall poppies fall over. Um, and there's it's the, and it's that old thing. And this is something just to put in the back of our minds. And this is something I always check in about every year around Christmas, New Year, I check in. And and this was told to me a very long time ago. This little sort of um, uh, this little sort of bit, which is your salary, your income, is the result of the people that you start, that you spend the most time with. In fact, it's the average of the six people that you spend the most time with. And for me, every year, it's more or less true. Um, now, this is not a way, by the way, that I distinguish which friends I'm going to hang out with, because that's not what it's about. But who do I spend my time with and how do I spend my time? If you go back and you sit to yourself, okay, well, just go reflect on that. If you spend your time doing the do uh, in your business, that sort of thing you will probably end up getting paid closer to someone who does the do. If you spend more time thinking, developing that type of thing, then you will probably get a bigger return on your investment because there's more value, there's more um, value that's created in using this than there are using this. Now, that's not to say you don't get the chance to do this because you do, but using this is always going to be more productive. Um, and certainly I've found that little axiom of um, of truth to be very, very valid in my case. I spend time with people on average who make more money than I do. Um, and they have fresh perspectives that I can grab onto and, and that sort of thing. Um, bear in mind that I have a, a number of uh, people who I spend a lot of time with who make uh, many, 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 many millions of dollars per year, which is, which is great because I pick up on their mindsets and their understanding of the world and your understanding of risk and that type of thing, which is which is pretty cool. So um, yeah, I do find that to be um, a, a very healthy check-in system for me. Well, and one of the motivations for us talking about this today too was to recognize you, right? You, the listener, for the hard work that you do, because we, you know when you talk about the under lack of understanding, you're not going to get that from a lot of people, and you know, the recognition and the appreciation for the effort and the the heavy lifting and the deep thought and the risks that you take and all that, we just want to let you know we, we see it, we get it, 
um, what you do is hard, uh, you know, and, and it's, it's some of the hardest, hardest work, riskiest, unappreciated, I guess, um, work that's out there. Yeah. What, oh, here's one thing. Along those lines, because you don't get the recognition, because you don't get the understanding from a lot of other folks, and maybe you don't have the opportunity to surround yourself, um, at least not immediately with a group like Matt's talking about and that type of thing. Um, one thing you can do, okay, one thing you can do, and I, uh, I did this with a coach years ago um, before I even worked with Matt, another coach, and um, Peter would say, okay, give me an update, tell me what you've been doing over the past week, and I would go back through my calendar, and I would relate to him, I did this, that, you know, I would look at the meetings, I look at the other stuff on my calendar, I look at the schedule and stuff and say, well, we did this, we implemented this, we met with these people, talked about, you know, signed this contract, did whatever, and um, almost inevitably, his response would be, wow, that's a lot. And it was the only person, the only person that was looking at on a regular basis, like having me stop and reflect. And, you know, he didn't tell me what I was doing. I told him, right? I went back and looked and counted through all the things I'd done because when you're in it, it's kind of like staring at the clock. You know, when you're staring at the clock, it doesn't move right? You're in it all the time. Taking a step back, if you will, once a week or once every couple of weeks, take five to 10 minutes, look over your calendar, look over your, you know, the things you've been working on and give yourself credit for where you, you know, what you've accomplished. And I do this with clients, you know, we'll go through where were you a month ago? Where were you three months ago? What have you done? And when we start listing all those things every time. It's a lot. And even when they feel like they're stuck or they're not making progress and they're kind of frustrated, um, pausing for a minute and, and looking back at all the things that they've been working on and get and moving forward on and accomplishing, um, it, it, it matters and it can help keep you from getting a bit frustrated, you know, with your, with your progress or perceived, we'll say perceived lack of progress, because I bet you, you're doing a whole lot more than you think you are. Absolutely true, mate. I start every session with clients with um, uh, achievements or highs, um, lows or failures, whatever, um, and uh, and learnings. And when you actually go back and you look at, okay, what have you done over the last week or, or two weeks or where, where the time frame actually is, often people don't get connected because they're so busy just looking forward to doing the next the next thing they have to do. They don't mm-hmm. actually take a moment. And just like you said, you hit the nail on the head there, mate. Um, you don't take a moment to sit there and go, wow, I got a lot done. And, and you know, it, it might not be paying off now, but it will pay off. Um, and, mm-hmm. you know, designing a system, for example, one of the most thankless tasks in the world, but it'll pay off a thousand times if it's the right system um, over the life. But, you know, you don't get any glory for it because it's not the big sale that you just made or whatever. It's not a piece of instant gratification glory. It's a, a little bit of something that builds the beast, you know, it builds the machine for you. Um and when people people do that, uh, that's why I always start a session with it because it it grounds us on just how much stuff we're doing and how much stuff we're getting done. Um, and we don't often, I think, pat ourselves in the back a little bit for that. So yeah, maybe that's something that the listeners could do, just to you know to um, to bring this conversation to a conclusion is actually maybe take a moment 
and and get a piece of paper out and say, well, this is what I've done over the last couple of weeks. And, and yeah. write every little thing and actually sit there and go, you know what? That's not bad, man. You know? it's bad. Yeah. yeah, I mean, or, or yeah, you can kind of pick, pick your poison here, but go back and do all the tasks and things that you've accomplished. Sometimes I find it useful to look at where, where you were, where the business was three months ago or six months ago. What was the state of affairs at that point in time versus today? You know, and then turning that around and visualizing, okay, well, even if things didn't work out, even if some stuff fell apart or, or something bad happened along that route, you can't change that, right? So we look at that. I love what you just said, Matt, the learnings, what I learned from that. How do I then prevent or, you know, help not make that, uh, help that not repeat? Right, whatever whatever it may be. Mm -hmm. So, what am I going to do over the next three months to make sure that doesn't happen again? Or what systems do I have to put in place? Just yesterday, I was working with a client, and some small changes to a process could net them between thirty and sixty-five thousand dollars more a year. Okay, and when you're doing that, it's well, and, and we kind of reframed it and stepped back, and is like, well, but I have to do this, and I have all, I'm trying to figure out the time I. And like, how long would it really take you to implement this? You're going to have to go back and redo the process. Okay. And that was a critical component too, because it was like, well, I'm just going to tell the people to do it differently. But all the stuff was the same. Like you're not, if you have, if you haven't reconfigured the process, you're going to get the same result. Okay. So you've got to change the form, the format, whatever it is, so that you get the result you want so that you can look at it quickly if you do it and implement it though, what's that worth? And how, and then, you know, okay, $65,000. Great. How many hours is it actually going to take you to do this worst case scenario? Right. And we figured, well, maybe 20 total, right. Two hours here, an hour here. And then the monitoring over the course of the year, 20 hours total. What's $65,000 divided by 20 hours? Yeah. A really good alley, right? Yeah. Yeah. So if you're not doing that stuff, if you're not stepping back, you know, and doing it and, and yeah, you don't see it immediately and it's frustrating and it can be, you know, a little bit of drudgery and what have you, but the payoff, and this is why you've got to take stock six months down the road, three months down the road, look back, what have you done? Like, oh yeah, we wouldn't be here if we hadn't started doing that six months ago. So give yourself credit. You know, what's really interesting? Stuff doing. Yeah, go for it. You know, it's really interesting from, from your perspective and my perspective. It was about a year ago. I had this crazy idea that I called you up about. Mm -hmm. A year, a year like that. <laughs> crazy. Not, not quite a year yet, but yeah, it's, uh, but you think about how much we've actually gotten done, right? Editing, reconfiguring, writing, um, different editions, getting the printing and manufacturing done, getting the warehouse and shipping and, and everybody, we've shipped out all the orders now, right? All, everybody who's ordered, mm -hmm. it, it has, um, it's been shipped, it's on the way. By the time this is published, they will all have it. We'll have the groups going, um, the group calls going and all that stuff, the community built. Um, it, what, I, I don't know, it seems simple in the beginning, maybe, but actually looking at all the moving parts and the component parts that go into it, you know, it, yeah, you got to take a minute and give yourself a pat on the back. Nice work, Matt. The, the interesting thing is 
like, because I always ask myself, would I do it again? If I knew now what I knew then, or if I knew then what I know now, would I keep what I do again? <laughs> yeah. And yeah. and I would I would say I'd definitely do it differently because like we'd learned a lot of stuff along the way as you tend to. But how do you do it differently if you didn't yet learn the lesson? Precisely. So right. would I do anything? Would I do it differently? No, I, I probably wouldn't because we made the right mistakes um, at the right time and and we've come out at the end of it with an amazing product that should be world changing for, for small business owners, which I'm, I'm really, really proud of. And I know you are. Um, oh yeah. So it's, a, but yeah, she's a junior, right? I mean, it's, it was probably a, it was December last year. I'm sure it was December last year. I spoke to like February. Was it February? Okay. I mean, maybe, I had, look, maybe, maybe I had the idea in February. I need to talk to someone about this because it's not where it needs to be. And, you know, I need someone to work with her. And so, yeah, maybe yeah. that was my internal mechanism, <laughs> but certainly yeah, but um, it's been good. It has. It has. Well, thank you everybody for listening. We really appreciate if you're sticking with us, take a few minutes and really take stock for yourself. Okay. Mm. Because we're sure certain you deserve a lot more credit than you're getting. And uh, if you don't give it to yourself, who else is going to? Absolutely. Yeah. Get on you. Keep your chin up. Don't let the bastards get you down is what we say. <laughs> um, and we'll see you soon. All right. Thanks for listening.